We know that Tyler Stevenson wants to catch. He wants to stay behind the plate. But exactly how many games could he play in a season before it begins to wear him down? We ask him that on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker, will be along here in just a minute. Locked On Reds is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen. We are free and available on all platforms. On today's Locked On Reds, you are getting an absolute treat. Tyler Stevenson, catcher one, the dude who is the gel, the absolute strength of this lineup is with us today. He's going to be talking quite a bit about catching and about the fact that he wants to remain a catcher and what that's going to look like for him, at least this next coming year, as there's lots of questions swirling about how to best protect him, how to best keep him in the lineup. We talked to him about that. We're also going to look at pitchcom. We're going to look at catching strategy and how that all affects the day-to-day game of Major League Baseball. There's so much in this episode. You're not going to want to miss a moment of it. Thanks for checking us out. Whether you're here on YouTube or whether you're listening on your favorite podcast app, make sure that you're following us. You're subscribed. We've also got part two coming up tomorrow. Lots of great stuff uh, as, as we look at new rule changes and stuff like that. But let's jump into Tyler Stevenson. This is him talking with us. We get into the weeds about exactly how he feels he can catch throughout a season and still maintain his health health and be a viable part of this Reds lineup. But kind of speaking about your game a little bit, it's something that I've wondered, especially with catchers, because I mean, I watch every sport and when it comes to catching, there's just nothing like catching. And it seems like the easiest answer in the world to ask a hitter what they want to do. Obviously they want to hit a home run, but for a catcher, would you rather hit a home run or would you rather throw somebody out? <laughs> well, if you asked me on opening day in Cincinnati last year when I threw out three guys in a row against Cleveland, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Man, um, I think I'll still take hitting a home run. Okay. So, I mean, like, your first career at bat, you kind of—I mean, that was yeah. that was pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was that was quite a moment. Now, let, let's talk about this catcher thing for a minute because you know Jeff and I have been guilty of this. The media has been running wild pretty much since you got the clavicle, uh, talking about yeah. it's time to move you to another position. And and I you know I heard all your interviews leading up to Red Fest, and you know we've heard you say you want to be a catcher. And, you know, I can totally respect that because, I mean, you're really good at it. And it's not very often you get, you know, a catcher that rakes like you do. So I believe I the scientific term is stinking good. Stinking yeah, good. stinking good. Something along those lines. So in 2021, you appeared in 132 games. And and I'm curious, what's the what's the ballpark idea of a magic number for how many games you can catch in a season and for it to not 
negatively negatively impact what you can do in the lineup. We hear all the time about protecting the catcher's legs mm -hmm. and, you know, not wearing a guy out and, you know, artificially creating an environment where more injuries can occur. Now, the Reds lineup is a whole different beast when you're in that four hole, like you, you do damage, you make pitchers respect you and the other players in the lineup. It's a game changer having you in there. Mm -hmm. So what's that magic number? How many games do you think it's reasonable to say, you know, health, not a consideration. Let's just say you're healthy, all 162 games. How many of those games can you catch and not just be completely out of gas at the end of the season? Do you, does it show how many games? Like, I, I'm curious too. How many? I, I, I didn't look at the breakdown. I can look at that. Jeff, can you pull that up on like, yeah, fangraphs or something right real quick? I'm yeah. curious. Break uh, it down by position. So I think in 2018. So my first couple years in, in when I got drafted, I got hurt. So 2018 was my first full season healthy, and that was down in Daytona Beach. And I want to say I caught 110. I don't, I don't know, but it was, it was close to that number, but that was also down in Daytona beach, which if you've ever been down there all summer long in the Florida state league, uh, it's not the best place ever. Um, <laughs> Swamp season kicks in. Yes. But <laughs> even then, like how I am physically now compared to what I was then, um, I think 120 is very doable. Okay. At catcher um, behind the plate, 120 games. Yeah. Anywhere. Looking yeah, back at 2021, you had 73 games, and that was with Tucker on the roster and everything. Yes. 73 games behind the plate. And then last season, 42 of the 50 were behind the plate. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I, I know I played quite a bit at first because Joey had his thumb. I think the 110 to 120. Okay. I mean, okay, I, don't, like, I mean, and that's and that's kind of where Jeff and I were. So, you know, I, I just in full transparency, I mean, I know you don't you know, you guys are busy players. I don't imagine you all sit around the clubhouse and listen to me and Jeff. But, you know, in total transparency, you know, I was concerned about the concussions and mm -hmm. if those were going to continue to occur, maybe finding you a new home that, you know, eliminated that particular uh, risk. I mean, you know, you can get hurt playing anywhere on the field, but you know, I had kind of advocated maybe that a, a move to first base should be explored, but listening to you talk, I've kind of come around a little bit on, on, on that, as far as you know, moving away from a blanket, let's move him to protect him. But so you say 120, you know, I, I want you in the lineup all the rest of the time as well, because I'm just greedy right. like that. So so what's the best way to get the rest of the games? Do you, do you, do you think it's just DH? Do, do you enjoy being a DH on the days you're not catching? What about first base? You know, you mentioned Joey in the thumb and, you know, Joey may be reaching a stage in his career where a more of a platoon might make sense. Um, where do you, where do you want to get the rest of the time? And I mean, you know, let's, let us not forget that they ran you out there into the outfield before too. So, you know, maybe left uh, field's calling your name, Tyler. I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> how many games are we getting left field? Um, but I do know if I get a ball when I'm in left field and somebody's running home, we need to get, Oh, they're dead cast. meat, right? They're dead meat. <laughs> um, I mean, do, yeah. Do I you like the DH or do you, do you prefer to be in the field? If you're playing, be in the field, you know, there's some guys that don't like all of the, the downtime in between at bats, you know, where, where are you at on getting the rest of that time? I, I think honestly, either or, uh, I think I can do both. Um, I know I've done both in the past and 
I think that's a conversation I'll talk with Nick and David about probably when we get to spring, kind of have a better idea of going into uh, going into the season. Like, yeah, I want to I want to be in the lineup as much as possible. But at the end of the day, they obviously have a have a plan and they write the lineup out. Um, but if it is like, hey, you've got an off two off days this week. One day is going to be at first, and another one's going to be a DH. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I think if we can get to the season and. I mean, selfishly, I would love to try to play 162 games. <laughs> um, sure. But, I mean, try to get as – I mean, I don't know. I want to play as much as possible. And, uh, I think that would be a good way to kind of see. If if you do play multiple positions, does that take away from the catching? Does that take away from your work with the pitchers? I'm, I'm, I guess where I'm getting at here is if you're going to play first base more than, you know – once every 30 games, if you're going to drop in there more often, obviously you're going to have to take infield. You're going to have to do those kind of things. Is there a negative impact to the other aspects, aspects of your game, or does it just all blend together and work? I think it all, it'll all blend together. Cause at the end of the day, like I spend probably 95% of my time being around them when it's um, either the locker room. I, I, if I, in that situation, I probably still want to go in, into our advanced meetings, like with DJ and if Luke's catching, like still go in there and be a part of it um, and just try to be as involved as much as possible just so we don't lose that. Is there an element of FOMO? Uh, Like, I I know that it's it's kind of funny to say, but like if you're not behind the plate and you're just like, oh, man, what are you calling that pitch for? Like, come on, man, this is pitch you should be calling. No. Uh, I mean, (laughs) I I don't think I would ever do that, but – I think that was a trap part. question, by the way. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was just curious because, but, but, but obviously, I mean, you know, your career, you've built it around being behind the plate and there was a point where you're just like, this is it. This is where I'm playing. Like what led to that, where you're just like, I want to be a catcher. Cause I remember when I played baseball in high school, the guy who played catcher was the guy who could bend down for the longest and not necessarily because our team had a good catcher. <laughs> I, I, from what my mom told me, I, I was young. I don't know. I think I was around maybe eight-ish, and um, I thought in the gear was cool. I strapped it on, <laughs> and I was I was obviously bigger than everybody. Nice. Um, and then I've I've stuck with it. You know, Major League Baseball introduced the pitch comm system last year. What exactly did that do for Tyler Stevenson? How did that change strategy? And speaking of strategy, what are those planning meetings like before a game? We're going to get Tyler Stevenson's thoughts on that coming up here next. But first today's episode is brought to you by bet online bet online is your number one source whether you're talking about mlb futures whether you're talking about the nfl regular season as we get into the stretch run headed into the postseason boy those Bengals are looking pretty good there's all kinds of great information for your next bet at betonline.net they've got all of the props and odds they've got great point spreads they've got over-unders all the stuff is at betonline.net, whether you're talking about your next sports wager or looking for your next great futures bet as well, because they've got you covered with all of the player updates, all of the up-to-the-minute scores and news when it comes to the biggest games that are going on. They've got podcasts. They've got articles. It's all at betonline.net. 
Net. Head on over there today on your desktop or your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action and follow up on your favorite sports. They even go into MMA and boxing and golf as well as it's currently in its off season. It'll get ramped back up here soon, but that's bet online. It's where the game starts. Thanks as always for making Lockdown Reds your first listen. If this is your first time, make sure that you are subscribed and you're following the podcast right here on your favorite podcasting app. Coming up tomorrow, we are going to talk about how the new rule changes are going to affect Tyler Stevenson's game. Plus, he's got a great story about the Wade Miley no-hitter, and um, it's a great story. You're not going to want to miss it. That's coming up on tomorrow's podcast but now let's jump back into our conversation let's look at pitch common let's look at some catching strategy and how it affects the game something that was instilled last year in the big leagues and something that uh, a lot of teams had varying success with and maybe a little bit of um, headaches with how do you describe your first year with pitch com uh, because I know for me, like I, my wife has told me before, that you do a very good job of painting your fingernails so that the signs get uh, sent oh to my. the pictures they're, and stuff like that. So they're stickers, by the way. Stickers. Oh, yes. oh no, I'm gonna break her heart now. Tell her that. Oh no. But are you uh, gonna are you gonna tell him the rest of the things Hannah was saying, or are we just gonna talk <laughs> about the fingernails? <laughs> no, we're talking about pitchcom actually. But yeah, um, <laughs> what was your first season like with pitchcom? So I remember in spring training. Uh, we were playing, I think the Royals, and I could I could tell that the catcher kept on going down, and like I think he was wearing it on his wrist. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, they're already using like scouting cards in spring training. That's like, well, that's kind of weird. Um, but it wasn't for like a game or two later. One of the umpires was like, hey, like how do you like the new pitch calling thing? I'm like, what are you talking about? And so he told me about it. So then I went and talked to like Jr. about it and the staff. Like, oh yeah, like we got it. Like we're still trying to figure everything out. Um, and then we started playing around with it in spring training and we started using it in the games towards the end of it. And I enjoyed it. And I think the pitchers, they kind of got used to it as well. And I think during the season, uh, it was kind of like a no brainer thing. And I know some of our guys in the field use it. I think India wore it. I think former wore it. Um, and I think like the center fielder, like Senzel. So I think there was, a total of what three, five on the field, including the pitcher and me. Um, but I loved it. I was with the whole sign ceiling stuff that that's happened. I felt like it's kind of eliminated the, I guess the fear when you're on second base. I know, like, I right. think sign stealing would it, would, if it's in between the white lines, like if the guy's tipping pitches or like if I'm doing a bad job of like, hey, we're gonna do the first sign and it's something pretty obvious when the guy's on second base. And yeah, like that fair game. Um, and some guys had super hard signs when we were at second base and there were sometimes some cross-ups. Like I know I got crossed up a good amount, I think during 21 last year. Mm-hmm. So from my perspective, it was like, I didn't even have to like think about that. Uh, I could just like click a button. I had my earpiece in and it was like fastball down and away. Um, That's pretty- I guess, I guess the only thing when, it, when we were in like stadiums and when it was like a packed crowd and it was loud, like you would hear the pitcher or you'd see him kind of like put it, the glove over his hat so he could hear it. Um, I don't know if there's any way that they could wear the earpiece so it's easier. I don't know. Like that, That's a comfort thing. And I'm, like, I'm curious when we get to spring training if there's anything along those lines that kind of help. I think I remember it's, that at Yankee Stadium. There was, yeah. there was a time. Yeah. 
definitely remember that. I loved um, it because you could just like you could hit a button, and like every every pitcher is different. Sometimes they wanted to use it the whole game with nobody on, and sometimes it was just on second base. But I am interested to see the whole game changing rules and all the rules coming now that we have like the shot clock. It, it will help that process out because I, I can throw a ball back and I could go ahead and hit it and be like, hey, curveball, whatever. And I can see him shake. So I think it'll help kind of speed the game up in that way. And we'll, we'll, we will really see it next year. You know, I'm curious about working with the pitchers. Uh, so you've got Pitchcom helps communicate a little bit better. You know, obviously you've got the signs as a backup. What is it? what's the pregame or the prep look like when you're working with a pitcher? I mean, there's, there's so many pitchers, there's so much, you know, pitching changes as far as the bullpen goes. Is it more a case of you get familiar with each other in spring training and then just kind of roll with it and you get help from the dugout or do you guys sit down before a start and, and map out what the particular starting pitcher wants to do against this lineup? Kind of walk me through, you know, the preparation of a start. So, yeah, let's just let's just say we're playing the, the Cubs and today's day one. So like, we'll have all like the scouting department. They'll send us a whole bunch of like homework stuff. And like, so like pregame and like, before we get there, we can watch video, like do all this stuff and take notes and <clears throat> we'll get to the field and go through like, like for me, like I'll get to the field and like work out, uh, do all my stuff in the cage and then like maybe grab a bite to eat and then we'll go out and do BP and like stretch and then when we come in it's always like day one of a new series we'll do like a big team advanced stuff so like we'll grab all the pitchers into a room dj will come and like playing the cubs like this is who's hot this isn't um walking in hap right <laughs> yeah i mean yeah he's <laughs> I'm just kidding. done done really well um yeah he has done really well against us but uh just like some kind of like team objectives, some goals uh, to really challenge ourselves leading into that. And then from there, like we'll break off and the bullpen guys will be with one of our coaches. And then like me and let's just say Hunter starting, we'll go in with DJ in his office and like, then we'll go person by person, how we want to attack the guys and stuff. Um, and so we'll do that like with the starters. Like, so every starter every day, we'll do that. Um, and then really like the bullpen guys, those are, those are the conversations that have to be had in, like in the locker room or BP. Cause I feel like it's easy for us to kind of get in routine. Cause we spend so much time with the starter that sometimes I don't want to say we forget about the bullpen guys, but like, they're just as important. Um, so we need to kind of like 50, 50 between them. Um, but like, then we have the cards that are like our back pocket and those are quick little like notes that we went over if we if we need it like during during the game just as like a fresher what kind of things are on that i I mean i know i'm not asking you for like all the insider secrets or whatever but i mean will it say like you know player a uh work him inside can't hit low and away struggles with curveball i mean what kind of information is there so we'll have um so we'll have like pitch by pitch just to say Hunter's pitching, so he throws a, a four-seam, a slider, and a changeup. And we will have a heat map from – I think it's from, like, our perspective. Like, we'll have a heat map. So um, green is good, and then red is, like, the damage zone. So, like, we can kind of see, like, hey, we can attack them down and away. 
up and in and like just throughout. So there would be like a pre, there's a pre two strike and there's a post like two strike. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll have that. And then some like runners, who's a runner, um, who's a base dealer. And then like some, what else we have? Uh, like swing percentage sometimes like, Hey, this guy, if there's a man on base, he's very like, and you'll, you'll kind of see like tendencies like that. If there's a guy in base, like he's super aggressive. If he's leading off an inning, he's not. So it's just some kind of like quick notes like that, that we'll kind of have on it. So if you're playing like Javi Baez, it's just, he's going to swing. Yeah, all it's the time. like very aggressive. <laughs> he is swinging at the first pitch. JR house. He's the third base coach, but he's also the catching coach. What kind of impact does he have? on the Reds. What kind of impact does he have on Tyler Stevenson? We talk about JR house coming up next. This episode is brought to you in part by simply safe at lockdown reds. We believe home should be where you and your family feel safest, especially over the holidays this season. Give yourself and your family the gift of peace and protection with the number one rated home security system. Simply Safe. And right now, Simply Safe is offering Lockdown Reds listeners like you 40% off a new home security system. But don't put this off. Here's why I love it it has the ease of control. All of the system's elements can be controlled through an app on your smartphone. Control your Simply Safe system from anywhere. It gives you peace of mind and easy access to safety. Simply Safe is whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door HD security cameras for the inside and out and even hazard sensors that detect fires, floods, and other threats for your home. Don't miss your chance to save big on my favorite security system. Get 40% off any new system at simplysafecom slash locked on MLB today. That's simplysafecom slash locked on MLB. There's no safe like simply safe. You can follow the podcast on uh, Twitter in between episodes. You can follow it at Locked On Reds. You can also follow me and Steve uh, in between episodes. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three F's. You can follow Steve at S Offenbaker with two F's. And uh, you can always follow us on YouTube as well. Make sure you click that bell to get notified. Um, I mentioned that tomorrow we're continuing our conversation with Tyler Stevenson. On Friday, we have our most recent edition of the live Aloha Friday episode. It's been a few weeks since we've been able to have a live episode. One of our favorite things that we get to do during the off season, as you get to drive the ship with questions and comments and different thoughts about everything that we've been talking about here recently, that's coming up on Friday. All right, let's jump back into our conversation. Let's look at Jr. house and what he means to this Reds team. We as fans hear a lot about, Obviously, David Bell, Derek Johnson, uh, Alan Zinter last year. We'll hear a lot about Joel McKeithen this year. But J.R. House, we see him at third base. We see the calls that we like to be like, oh, well, he should have held that runner or he should have told that runner to go. But obviously, there's way more to J.R. House's relationship, especially with you being that he's the catching coach as well. So what? how would you describe J.R. House's value to the team and what he gets to do? Because that's not something that we as fans get to see. Yeah, I know. I mean, he is our catching coach, so that's who I spend pretty much all my, all my time with, I feel like. Um, but, yeah, so 2019 was my first big league camp, and that was, I think, the year that the new staff came in. 
Um, so I've really kind of been with him uh, from, from the get-go, and he's been great. Uh, I know he kind of brought over the whole framing aspect uh, into our organization, and he's been a huge help um, with that. And I think, what year was it, 2020, I think Tucker won the gold glove, uh, something like that. And mm-hmm. he's been great. He's, he's, he's full of energy. Um, he likes to get after it. Um, and he's, he's, he's been great. I mean, he's been great for all of us. That's something too. And, and I'm forgetting, I'm blanking on the ref on the uh, umpire that said it, but, uh, so framing is a real thing. Yes. I guess until <laughs> if, and when an automatic strike zone ever comes into play, but I, I don't know what, well, that's a conversation for another day. I mean, it's, it's, it's totally, I, I see different umpires and maybe like, you know, the, the different officiating announcers that they have on national broadcast talk about, Oh no, there's no such thing. And it's just like, well, it's the human eye. You can fool mm-hmm. the human eye. Yes. So yeah, it's, it's really, it's kind of cool. The JR house really introduced that aspect to Reds catch. Yeah. And you'll see, um, like our guys, like Mark, Trent, uh, Bobby, like that was, I feel like we always do our catching stuff pre-game, and that's like right next to the media guys, and we're we're always doing weird stuff. So we'll every once in a while there'll be a good video that surfaces from them of us doing some crazy drill. Expand that thought out a little bit uh, more than just the framing, you know. But the catcher's impact, you know, we hear about like catcher ERA, we hear about the framing, we hear about you know the, you know pitchers having a preferred catcher for whatever reason they have the preferred catcher. Do you, do you buy into that aspect of the game? Do you feel like you have, you know, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find a way to phrase this where I'm, I'm not asking you to like sing the importance of you on the field, but the, the impact of that position on the pitching staff overall, you think we exaggerate that impact or do we have it, pretty right as far as a catcher's ability to make a, a good pitcher great or you know a, at least a good pitcher better versus mm-hmm. you know a catcher that may not be necessarily associated with being defensively gifted having a negative impact on what a pitcher is trying to do and a negative impact on the overall game i think people who understand baseball and know the value of a catcher. I mean, like I know last year, our theme, JR has a theme every spring training is, is QB one. Um, and I think it is very fitting in, in that aspect because <clears throat> we're the only people that see the game in front of us. Um, but I feel like if you understand baseball, you know, what is involved and in, I don't know. I hate when people are like, Oh, all you do is put your finger down and catch the ball. <laughs> okay. Hold up. <laughs> um, <laughs> It goes way deeper. Has somebody actually said that to you? I got to know. Has somebody actually said that to you? Yes. Oh, my gosh. gosh. How many beers deep was that person? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Um, That's crazy. But, yeah, I mean, there's – I think a a good catcher can go – I've always heard, and maybe it's from the coaches that I I grew up with, that if you can catch and if you can be a good catcher, like you will stick around this game for a long time. And you see plenty of that. Like if guys who stick around, like, yeah, they might not be able to hit, but they can catch and they can lead a pitching staff and they win. 
This is such a great conversation, and there's so much more to be had. Coming up tomorrow, we are going to look at what the new rule changes are going to do to Tyler Stevenson's game and how he will and how it will change for him. Plus, he also has a great story about uh, what he was doing during Wade Miley's no-hitter and how he kind of played a little bit of a superstitious role in that. That, that. That's coming up tomorrow. You're not going to want to miss it, but that's going to do it for us here today on this edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. Uh, make sure you now check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. They have the biggest stories in sports, game recaps and reactions, and they've got the take of the day as well. That's Locked On Sports Today, just like Locked On Reds. It's free and available on all platforms. As we go through the offseason, there's plenty of rumors to be had, and we'll keep you covered on every single rumbling and the uh, hot stove as it turns for the Reds because we are Locked On Reds every single day.